like to welcome you to Hopeful Conversations, hosted by Jody Aiken and Carolyn Reese. We are so excited you are joining our conversations. Our mission today is to encourage and challenge you as well as fill you with hope from God's Word. Just like the psalmist said in Psalms 103 verse 5, I wait for the Lord and my soul waits, and in His Word I hope. We thank you for joining us today on Hopeful Conversations and pray you will grow in the waiting and rely on hope from God's Word. I now give you Jody and Carolyn. Welcome back to Hopefield Conversations, friends. I'm Jody, And I'm Carolyn. And we're excited that we're going to continue on our new series for this year, Women Called to Pray. And Debbie Rollins is going to be with us again to remind you. Also, this is the recording from the women's conference that we had. Yeah. It's just going to be good stuff. Yeah, yeah. She goes a little bit deeper in this talk. So if you haven't listened to her first talk, go back and listen to this episode, the episode before this one, um, where Debbie kind of gives an introduction to her topic of, you know, calling, we're called to pray. That's right. And then now she's going to go deeper, a little bit deeper. So it'll be good. It'll be awesome. As I was preparing for this session, I thought, I really struggle. I am struggling with my stories and my analogies and my jokes these days because, um, well, because I'm old and I'm finding, I really am, and I'm finding fewer and fewer people are getting me because the Lord keeps placing me with all these younger people. And so then when I have a story, they can't connect with the reference that I'm making. So I'm glad that I see maybe one or two that might be right along with me. So one or two, hopefully you remember, oh, or have heard the name Gene Siskel. You might remember he was a, a journalist with the Chicago Tribune and he was also a, a film critic. And so you might remember Sisker, Siskel and Ebert uh, used to come on TV and they would, um, they would critique films. And well, he also, Siskel was also known to be this great master interviewer. And he had one time what he considered to be the master interview because he interviewed uh, Oprah. And Oprah is the one that was telling this story when I read it. And she said when he interviewed her, he asked her, Oprah, what do you know for sure? And she said that is the one time in her life when she got all hot and flustered and speechless and didn't have didn't know what to say so she vowed she would never be in that position again so if you ever looked at her magazine and let me just go ahead and tell you to the side now i'm not an oprah fan so that's not where we're going with this um she used to end her magazine with a column what i know for sure and she's since taken all her what she knows for sure and even compiled them of course into a book that she sold so she can just make many many more dollars well nevertheless Oprah said some things that she knew for sure was, you define your own life. You don't let other people write your script. Um, she said she knew for sure that you trust your instincts because intuition doesn't lie. And she knows for sure that you find a way to get paid for what you love, then every paycheck will be a bonus. Well, like I said, I can't tell you I even have a little bit of faith in Oprah because I don't really have any. But I do have faith in God and I have faith in his word and that's what I know for sure and I'm going to ask you this morning in this session there's some things I'm going to ask you by the time we get to the end I just want you to know them and know them for sure there are some things that I believe that you just have to seal in your heart and you just don't let anyone or anything coming by shake those things and I really came to this place about 
five or six years ago it was the last time that I think Inglewood had a life action revival. And during that revival, there were seven things that I sealed in my heart. And even today, this is how I still begin my day. And the first one is, God is sovereign, period. He is, I'm not, nobody else is. I mean, really let that sink in. God, what it means if God is sovereign. The second thing I seal in my heart is God is good. All the time. And I know sometimes people flippantly say, God is good. And they'll say, all the time, all the time, God is good. But really think about that. God is good. He's good when it looks good and it feels good. But even when it doesn't look good and doesn't feel good, he's still good. When it's not going Debbie's way, it's still good. And he is still good. God is good always. The third thing for me is God has a plan. He's not random. He's not willy-nilly. He's not arbitrary. He's not wishy-washy. He's not flaky. Don't you know some people, they're flaky. They say they have a plan, the kind of sword that goes this way. No. He has a plan. Because he is good, my fourth thing, because he is good, his plan is good. And again, whether it's working out like I think it ought to, or don't quite understand, or it seems to be going smooth, and then there was this blip, it's still good. It's a good plan, because he's a good God. The fifth thing, God cannot lie. His promises, if you've been at Inglewood more than 15 minutes with Pastor Clore, his promises are yes and amen. So again, it doesn't matter if it looks like his promises are coming true. If I don't understand, he cannot lie, period. The sixth thing, God loves me. He does. He loves me when he provides. He loves me when he heals. But he also loves me when he corrects, when he chastens, when he withholds, when he doesn't even tell me why he's withholding. Like, I want that, Lord. I want that. And he doesn't give it to me and no explanation. He still loves me. And the seventh thing is because he is good, because he cannot lie, because he loves me, and because I have personal history with him. And see, you've got some history with him too. Yes, I like going to the scriptures and to the pages, but I really like going to the pages of my life and the history I have with him. And because of all that, I know he is faithful and he can be trusted. So every morning, I reaffirm those seven things, and then I get up, and I start my day, and I'm good. I'm good. Because as Pastor Chloe used to say, I either believe or I don't. There's no middle ground. There's nothing else. I either believe. I either believe he's sovereign, he's good, he's got a plan, he loves me, he can't lie. I either believe those things or I don't. So these are some things that I know for sure. I'd like you to jot down this question and just, I want you to think about it. Maybe even chew on it later throughout the day and later and go, what do you know? What do you know for sure? Let me give you something to think about and something hopefully to know if you don't already know it. God has a will. <clears throat> what we know for sure is he has a conditional will and an unconditional will. Now his will is what he determines is gonna happen. 
what he determines will happen in one of two ways, conditionally or unconditionally. God's unconditional will is what is going to happen irrespective of what anybody does. It is not conditioned on what I do, what you do, what anybody does. He decides he will cause it to happen no matter our human actions, no matter our human inaction. Psalms 115.3 says, it's a crystal clear scripture. It says, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So he is sovereign God, decides what he wants to happen, and he makes it or he allows it to happen. Now, God's conditional will is a little bit different. There are many things he's decided that he's not going to let happen until he gets cooperation from earth. There are things he's decided he's not going to release from heaven into history unless there's human cooperation with his desire and his design. Now, I know some of you are probably squinching your face up and say, I don't know about that. So let me give you an example that I hope you can wrap your head around. First Timothy 2, 4 teaches us that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yet only, people only say when they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. So God has a will. He desires all of us to be saved. But people aren't going to be saved until they accept Jesus as their Lord. Okay? That's tied to a condition. And many things in our lives are tied to God's conditional will. So much happens or doesn't happen in our lives based not on God's decision, but on our cooperation or lack of cooperation. So know this for sure. Know something else. One of the primary mechanisms uh, that God has established to determine much of what he does on earth in your life, in my life, is conditioned by the absence or the presence of prayer. So let me give you another example. We've already looked at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen this morning. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land? He's saying, I will hear. I will forgive. I will heal. But if you humble yourself, if you pray, if you seek my face, if you turn from your wicked ways, that conjunction and also means you've got to do all of those. Okay? This is, it doesn't say or. If the scripture had said uh, or, then you'd have choices. You can pick one. I can pray if I want to. I might just decide to seek his face and not pray. Or I might just decide to turn from my sin but not pray or seek his face. No, it says if you do all of these things, if you pray and seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. So we have to do all of these things, and then he's going to hear us. James says in chapter 4, 4, that you have not because you ask not. Or when you ask, you ask with wrong motives. So in essence, God is telling us in his word that he wants to give us so much, but we just don't come to him. Uh, we don't cooperate sometimes in getting and receiving. We go to other places and other people and all the wrong places and all the wrong people. So prayer is relational communication with God. And the goal of prayer is for us again to draw from heaven down into our history for God to touch humanity. We're asking God to release 
his will from heaven to earth. We're posturing and we're positioning to cooperate with his will. Now, we don't always know what's conditional and what's unconditional. Romans eleven thirty four says, who can know the mind of God? So might this be why Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we are to pray without ceasing. We are to bring everything to God as a lifestyle, not an event. Sometimes we operate as prayers like an event. When I think I need something or something special or something we call big, and I tell people all the time, it's all little to God. Okay, that stuff we think is big stuff, little stuff, it's all little to him. Okay, but we're to bring everything to him. We're to pray without ceasing. And I love the example that Tony Evans gives when people don't understand pray without ceasing. He says, try this one on for size. Breathe without ceasing. We get that, don't we? Breathe without ceasing. It's the same way we are to pray without ceasing. It's not optional. It's not just something we do for funerals or when we come to church or there's a christening or thanksgiving. We're to pray always. We don't always have to pray the Lord's Prayer like we prayed before. We don't always have to follow some model like acts, adoration, confession, um, thanksgiving, supplication, but we're all ought to always be praying. And I want to stop right here and say the reason why I think sometimes people struggle with that whole concept is because they think that prayer is always about talking. And if that would be the case, I'm going to tell you right now, somebody's going to come for you and they are going to have that special white jacket. You know that one that has those real long sleeves and it crisscrosses? Because see, if you're always walking around babbling, they're going to think something's up. So prayer is not always about talking out loud. Much of prayer is about listening. It's about being still before God. It's about receiving, okay? It's not a one-sided conversation. So it's about, yes, we talk, but let him talk sometimes and listen to what he has to say. Another thing we have to know for sure and get it clear in our heads and heart is that Prayer is not going to be us getting God to do what we want him to do. Now, we are not going to change his mind. We're not going to wear him down, talk him into something, nag him. He is not Monty Hall. I told you I'm old, so there are probably about three people in here who know Monty Hall. We are not going to make some deal uh, with him. Okay? The whining, the pouting, tantruming, the nagging, that's going to work about as well as it does with a two or three-year-old does that. And I can tell you down on this hall over here, when we start hearing that whining and pouting, doesn't it make you kind of dig your heels in just a little bit that you're not going to give in? You're not moved to act, okay? And we don't have to do that because he has not called us to that. What we can do is access what he's already determined. Isaiah 65, 24 says, I love this scripture. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Now get that. Before you call, I've already answered. Before you prayed, I've already answered the prayer. So God has already determined the answer. You and I pray to get the answer released. Think about it. And if he already answered and we don't have the answer, then may it be because we need to ask for it. We need to ask for it. Let me give you a very bad example. I'm going to tell you that up front. I was trying hard to think this morning. It's Saturday morning, so work with me. So I want you to think about if you had some snacks at home in the pantry. You know what your family likes, and let's just say they like Oreos. So you already went to the store last week, went to Harris TV, bought the Oreos. You put them in the pantry, and they're up high on the shelf. And so you've got the Oreos. You know you have the Oreos. Nobody else knows you have them. 
And you already, as the mom or the, the head of that household, you already kind of know when you're going to give out some Oreos and when you're not. You know you're not going to give an Oreo out probably about five minutes before dinner time. You just know that. Ain't going to happen. Okay? But there might be an Oreo after school. So you've got the Oreos. You also know certain things that you're not going to give. Uh, and so let's say your family is expressing that they'd like to have an Oreo. You don't have to go to the grocery store and get it. You already have the Oreos. You're just waiting for them to say, Mom, I'd like to have an Oreo. Go to the pantry. you got the Oreo. God already has what we need. He's just waiting for us to say, Father, this is what I need. Father, here's what I'm asking for. He's already got it. Now, there's certain things you also know you're not going to give your family. They might say, Mom, I'd like to have some ice cream. You've already decided, ain't going to be no ice cream. Maybe you know somebody's lactose intolerant. Maybe you know that somebody uh, is pre-diabetic. Maybe you know they just make a mess with that ice cream. There ain't going to be no ice cream happening in this house. Okay? So there's no ice cream. So they can ask for ice cream, but there is no ice cream. It's not coming. But they just have to ask is the bottom line. You remember when Jesus, uh, when the disciples asked Jesus how they were going to feed the multitude? They didn't have a clue. Uh, but they found this little boy, and he had a couple of fish and a little bit of bread. And what did Jesus do? He lifted it up to heaven, and he prayed. And God, some way, somehow, released what was needed, which was many more fish and a whole lot more bread. Because that story goes on, and it tells us they ate, not just a snack, they ate until they were full and I don't know how many times I read this story and I had missed this part so many times. They had 12 baskets of leftovers. Okay? Now, if Jesus had to pray and ask God to release what was needed, what do you think we need to do? So in our remaining time, I want us to just look quickly at three points that we need to pray and that we need to continue in prayer and how do we do the latter. Okay? So let's look at James 5. Is 13 through 18, and James asked, and I, I laughed this morning because Pepper um, referenced this scripture in our time together, but James says, is anyone among you suffering? Now, Webster says suffering is when you have distress, hardship, damage, and loss. And James says in that scripture, if that's the case and you're suffering, what do you need to do? Pray. Now, I feel pretty sure I'm safe in saying that uh, we all can answer yes to that question, but I may be wrong, and I do believe that you're supposed to test assumptions. Um, so, if you are suffering, would you just raise your hand? Okay. There are a few hands up, and there's some hands that are down, and that's okay. And if you're not suffering, I, for one, am very glad for you, because I tell you, I am suffering. I am suffering as we continue to navigate through all this. But guess what James says? He says, is anyone cheerful? Then let him sing praise. That means let him honor the Lord. So we don't need to raise hands this time because if you're not suffering, I'm going to assume that you are cheerful because you've got to be in one camp or the other. You are either suffering or you are cheerful. And guess what he says you're supposed to do if you're cheerful? Sing praise. So either way, you are going to be coming before God because I'm either coming in prayer or I'm coming to praise him. And that's really a form of prayer also. Because you've got to be one or the other. But James also says that if you are suffering, 
And if you're not really feeling like you're suffering and you're not cheerful, in verse 14, he says, is anyone among you sick? Now, this is different in this text than you're thinking, well, su sick and suffering. The Greek translation in this text is sick more like when we say, I'm sick and tired of something. Like you're sick of a situation, sick of dealing with a, a person or something, and you have grown weary. So that's what he means in verse 14. And sometimes that's what happens even when we're praying. You pray and you pray and you pray and you feel like the answer is not coming. Have you ever gotten to that point you just feel weary? I'm weary with it. I don't know another way to ask you, Lord. I've prayed. I've stood. I've sat. I've been on my knees. I've been prostrate face forward. I prayed all the scriptures I know. I prayed through all the books that I have. I don't know, and I've just kind of grown weary about it. And guess what James says is the answer. Even when you are weary and the answer's not coming, you're to continue in prayer. But this is not interesting what he says is not always do we just pray for ourselves. We call for others to pray with us. And that's why we can't be long-ranger Christians. We gotta have a tonto or a Robin, or a Kid Flash, a Batgirl. We got to have somebody, uh, that, some kind of sidekick. Or even sometimes we got to be the sidekick, and we got to come alongside. I will tell you, I would not be here with you this morning if there hadn't been some people coming alongside, because that flu thing about knocked me off my feet uh, last week. And then I got up this morning, and Arthur was in the knee, and I'm just like, what is going on? But I knew, I felt the prayers of others, and that's what we have to do. And so we are supposed to continue in prayer, is what the scripture says. Um, Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in our tribulations. Be constant in prayer. And Galatians 6, 9 says, and that's when we'll reap if we don't give up. I want you to make a note to read Mark um, 2, 1 through 12. You know the story, so we won't read it. But it's the story of the gentleman that was lame. And he's paralyzed. And he couldn't get up, couldn't walk. So four of his friends bring him to Jesus. And when they can't get to, to Jesus because of the crowd, because it seems like there's always this crowd around Jesus, verse 5 says, and when that they, tells us that they remove the roof, take the man up on the roof and let him down. And then verse 5 says, and when Jesus saw their faith, see, that's why we have to read the Bible very carefully, because guess what? It didn't say when Jesus saw the paralyzed man's faith. It says when Jesus saw their faith, his friend's faith, people who cared enough to fight a crowd, tear off a roof. Now, you know they did not have the jaws of life and axes and all that stuff like we have nowadays. So they got to tear off a roof, lift him up, bed and all. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And in verse 11, he says, rise, pick up your bed, and go home and the man did so get this first of all he had some show enough friends and second of all they were persistent to get to Jesus I wish I could tell you that committed Christians don't give up but we do sometimes we get weary and we grow tired and let's just go ahead and be truthful we get frustrated I was reading a couple weeks ago an article about the culture of impatience and instant gratification and is that not us the article says, we have become the impatient nation. We want quick answers to complex problems like the economy, diseases, personal relations. 
We speed date, eat fast food, use the self-checkout lines in grocery stores, try the one-weekend diet, pay extra for overnight shipping, honk when the light turns green, thrive or dive on quarterly earnings reports, speak in half sentences, start things but don't finish, Twitter stories in 140 characters or less and still think some tweets are too long, cut corners, take shortcuts, and text leaving half the letters out so that old people like me don't have a clue what you're trying to tell them. We get impatient, and we get impatient even with God, and we want to give in and give up even in our prayers. We suffer. We grow weary. So how do we continue? Here's something else I know for sure. We are commanded to pray, and to pray without ceasing, to pray boldly, to pray with persistence, to pray shamelessly. We can come boldly into God's presence because Jesus told us that the Father promises to answer our prayers. Remember I told you, seal it in your heart. He cannot lie. So if he has promised to answer your prayers, we've been told, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks it will be open. And I love the message translation, actually, of that passage. It's Luke 11, 9 through 10. And what the message says is, here's what I'm saying. Ask, and you'll get. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide-and-seek game we're in. When you approach God with a need, pray. Don't demand, and God will grant your request. Pursue, but don't passively wait around, and God will reveal it. Pound, don't kick in the door, and God will unlock it. What have you been asking for, seeking after, or knocking about? Have you been bold? Have you been obnoxious? Or have you been mealy mouth? Or have you just given up altogether? And so I close with point three in the form of a question. If you give up, why should God continue? Let us pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. Father, I ask that you do reveal yourself to each lady in the way that she needs to see you, to know you. And seal it in her heart, who you is, who you are. Seal it in your heart. Let nothing be able to shake her. Let nothing be able to take that from her, that you and you alone are God. There is no other. Father, I pray that you will give each lady here confidence in you and confidence in your word, your promises. And Father, I pray that each will know your promises. Lead each to search the scriptures because we, we can't have confidence in what we don't know. So lead us to study your word so that you will reveal to us all the many promises that you have given, that you would be with us, that you would never leave and never forsake us, that you would provide for us, that you would keep us, that we would be safe and secure in your hand that nothing and no one could ever pluck us from your hand. Even though Satan might mess with us and might try to rob us of our, our peace, let us know that our peace is found in you and you give a peace that's all surpassing. 
So Father, again, just, just reveal to each lady what she needs to know, what needs to be sealed in her heart to give her the strength and to give her the confidence, not in herself, but in you, to navigate this world. We do have an enemy. He is, he is always busy. He never seems to give us a rest. So, Father, we want to stay strong and strong in you and steadfast in you. We thank you uh, that you do provide. We thank you that you do equip. We thank you, Father, that you will give us the strength to keep on. Father, I pray that if there's someone here who does not have that Batgirl or that Robin, would you raise up, raise up just a team to surround and embrace. And, and, and then, Father, help us also to remember that's who we need to be. So let us not just be uh, complacent and satisfied when life is going good for us, but open our eyes to see others that we might need to come alongside so that together, Father, we can find the strength uh, to continue. If we are sick, if we are weary, if we are tired, and if we're none of those things, we can find our voice together to praise you because, again, you are so worthy. We love you. We do praise you this morning. We just ask you to continue to go with us even now as we get ready to transition for the rest of our morning. Thank you for this time together, and thank you for how I believe you're speaking to us. We ask these prayers in the precious and mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. so much for joining us today. We know there are other podcasts to listen to, and we are humbled that you chose Hopefield Conversations. If you enjoyed our conversation today, we invite you to subscribe. If you found our conversations helpful, or if you would like to share comments with Jody or Carolyn, you may email them at hfc at englewoodbaptist.com. If you need to talk with a pastor at our church, please email next at englewoodbaptist.com. Once again, thank you for spending time with us today.